Pakistan is today's Macedonian call. I believe God is calling many, many uh, evangelists, many preaching into the land of Pakistan. The reason why is that since Acts chapter 16, the gospel, if you trace it, it has largely gone west around the world. The gospel went into Europe, then it went to Africa, then basically it went down into South America, and that's come right around the last real move of God was in China, where in 1947 they had two and a half million Christians, but by 1990, with all the persecution, they had a hundred million Christians. And the only place that stands between China and back to Israel, which is right around the world, is all these stands. Pakistan, you know, Turkestan, Kazakhstan, blah, 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 stand. All the stands in Iran, and then the gospel's gone all the way back to Israel. And that's when I believe Christ will return. So it's extraordinary what God is doing over there, and um, it is wonderful. Uh, I am going to, um, so I just want to let you know, you know, if you want to give, that's where funding goes, that's where um, we're going to continue to help them this week, um, but it's good for you to know when you give to a church, uh, it's going to the gospel. It's going for the gospel. We don't own a building here deliberately. We could have, but all our funds deliberately go into winning souls by preaching the word or reaching them just with love and help. Amen? Let me just read to you this morning, if you've got a Bible, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We, we just stand in the house of God for the word of God. Only the, We don't want you to be up and down all the time, but we just believe we want you to revere and to tremble at the word. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11. You're just going to stand for a very short time because we're going to read one verse today. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Amen. You can be seated. Father God, I thank you for your word. But Father God, we want your word to go forth today with the touch of heaven upon it, Lord. Father God, for every particularly every family here today. Father God, we ask the Word of God will bring such blessing into every household that, Father God, every household will be strengthened. Father God, every household will be edified. Every household will be multiplied and expanded. Father, the Word of God will come and bring light and healing to every home and every family. Father God, all hurt will be healed and Father God, the families will be blessed today of this church in the name of Jesus by the Word of God. Amen. So this passage I read today, uh, it says, uh, let me read it again. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. It is a, uh, basically a descending chain of authority beginning with God and ending in the home. And we hear that Christ is the Christ's head is his father. God the Father is the head of Christ. And the head of man is Christ. And the head of the wife and the children is the man. Now, if you're a feminist, you're really going to take offense with this today. Get ready. Because uh, much of feminism today is just the Jezebelic spirit in disguise. And it's affecting families so badly because... Women are getting confused as to God's order in the home 
And men, so many men today, they just don't know where they are. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They apologize. They don't know if they're supposed to be strong. They don't know if they're supposed to be, you know, weak. They just don't know who they are because everything now is about, you know, this equality, giving women their role and giving women their place. And men are just more and more required to take a step back. And so, you know, the Helen Reddy, I am woman, is the kind of the theme of the last 40 years. But the Word of God... When we're speaking to fathers today, I don't normally preach on fathers on Father's Day, but the Holy Spirit really was leading me this last couple of days. Um, God wants us to understand, and he wants fathers to understand how important it is for you to understand headship. Now, headship doesn't mean there's no equality. You can have equality, but there's headship in the kingdom. The father is the head of the son. And Christ is our head. And man is the head of woman. And headship is important. And I believe when, and this is why we're actually taking our prayer meeting, we're now just going to have a monthly prayer meeting for men because I believe the image and the, and the idea of, of what a man is, what a strong man has been so polluted, we've got to actually build men up again because if you have strong men, strong godly men in, strong ch- in, in churches, you'll have strong churches. If you have strong godly men in families, you'll have strong families. If you have strong godly men in businesses, you'll have strong businesses because that is God's foundation. That's the order. So I want to speak today about what it is to be a father who is at the head of his family, who is at the head. And uh, we need to take our positions spiritually as the head as men. And it doesn't mean as... Some reputations have had it over the years. It's got nothing to do with me, Tarzan, you, Jane. The headship is modeled by Christ, who is our head. So every godly man who is, un, who is exercising headship himself lives under headship. He lives under Christ. He is yielded to the authority and the word of Christ. He is under Christ. And you can't exercise headship unless you yourself are first under Christ. But I want to speak today about what it is to take up your position as the head. And a man who takes up his position as the head of his household, he is firstly, he takes up his head as the provider for the home. Now, some of us know the passages really, really well. 1 Timothy 5.8, and it speaks about if a man doesn't work and provide food and for his household, he's worse than an unbeliever. So a, a godly man who is ahead should not be happy to be on welfare and never worry about it. Uh, he takes the responsibility that he is going to provide for his children and his family. That he, that's his responsibility. He is going to labor. He is going to work. 
And sometimes you, as a, as a man, I've had this many, many years ago, sometimes you, you can't be in your first cho choice world. You're going to be in your second choice world and go to work. And all you're doing is just putting bread on the table. And it may not be fun, but you are the provider for your home. But, but I, 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 I've heard this preached many, many times over the years that, that, that a godly father is a provider. And we, all, we kind of all know that if you're sitting here being a Christian a long time, you have heard that. But one of the things that, that gets missed in this is that our model for the provider really is, is God who is Jehovah Jireh which means provision. And a godly man in his home, a godly head, is not only takes responsibility, will take responsibility for the material provision, but he is a provider. And, and it's not just about providing food on the table, which, which most men, Christian men, are focused on, but God wants you to be a provider for your family, providing things like wisdom, providing things like counsel, providing things like friendship for your wife, providing things like perspective in problems. You have to be the one who actually provides and has, has in, your, in your spirit, I am going to provide what is needed in my family. And I, in order to do this, in order to do this, you as a man must have a generous giving spirit. The heart of the gospel, I believe God so loved the world that he gave, is generosity. And I say to women here, young women here, never date or marry a stingy guy. <laughs> never marry anyone who's ungenerous. I tell you what, it speaks about so many other things. But we as men need to be people who understand we are called to provide and nourish and have that in our DNA that we are providers. And we're not only providers. Men are to be as the head. They are to be protectors. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, this, is, this passage is often misconstrued. Wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so the wives be own to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself in love for her. Now, that context of wives submit to your husband is given, that order, that command is given in the context of love. It's given in the context of knowing and living under a husband who is laying down his life for you sacrificially. And the Bible says, as you're experiencing that, you are to come under, joyfully come under that kind of headship. As I said earlier, it's not Tarzan and Jane, but what the headship means here, really, if you study the Greek language, the, the, the word head of the wife, it's got nothing to do with position or it's got nothing to do with uh, you know, a title. It's all to do with being a protector and a covering. A godly man is to actually understand that he is the covering for his family. He is the protector that the problem's going to hit him first. And if you are a godly man in the spirit, there are so many things you'll come against even as a leader of a ministry. Things come against you and you defray them before they get to other people and often they only miss you after you're gone. They only have to appreciate you when you're taken out. But you are the defender. You are the coverer. You are the protector of your family.
And it's so important because we have an adversary that attacks health, that attacks finances, that attacks destinies of children, that attacks marriages. And men need to understand that they are the protector. They are God's protector, as Christ is our protector. And if you look at, uh, uh, I'll just read to you a beautiful passage about this, which illustrates us from the Old Testament. It's a time where Nehemiah is a, is a picture of a kingdom man, and he's building as we are building our families. We are building our children. We are, we are all builders. We're building unto God. But as he was building, and if you are building anything kingdom unto God, it will be attacked. That's the sign that it is a kingdom work. And Nehemiah was building, and the enemy came in the form of Sanballat and Tobias, which represents demonic powers, and they came to attack what Nehemiah was building. And as you're building your family in righteousness, the enemy will surely come to attack you. This is what happened. Stand by it. In verse 10 of chapter... Verse 10 of chapter... Sorry, verse... Uh, verse... 7 of chapter uh, 4. Now it happened when Senbiot and Tobias, the Arabs saw that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were closed. They became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. That's what the demonic powers do against your home, against your marriage, against your children. And then look what Nehemiah did. This godly head Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the leaders and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, grace and awesome, and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives and your houses. And then the men began to work with their work tool in one hand and their spear in the other. So when the enemy comes to attack you, when that your family is under attack, it cannot just be all work, 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 work. I'm a provider, I'm a provider, I'm a provider. God holds you accountable as the head to be the spiritual protector and to take spiritual warfare seriously and understand that you have been given the authority, not your wife. You are the head. Men are the head. And it saddens me when you go to an intercessors meeting. Throughout all my ministry, God's changing it now. But for years, it's been full of women. And our homes will not come into the fullness of the blessing until men understand the woman has not been given authority in the home. The man, the man has. The woman has not been given the role to be the covering and the head. The man has. And while there's a certain effectiveness to a woman interceding, it's got nothing compared to the one God established taking up his position. So men are to be a godly man who is a head. Is a, he is a provider and he is a protector. 
He is a protector. And, uh, you know, there are sometimes, man, when your family is under attack, you've got to know you've been given weapons. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to come and take. wants to come and steal. And sometimes you, you just got to get up in the morning and you got to start praying. You got to say, you are not taking my child down that path. In the name of Jesus, I see what is coming. And I declare in the name of Jesus, that weapon will not prosper. And when you do that, you're actually defending your family. So men are to be providers. We are to be protectors. We're also called to be, like Jesus, priests. Jesus was priest, prophet, and king. And we, under him, are called to be, as fathers, priests of our household. What is, it? what is it to be a priest of your household? Priest, the role in the Old Testament of the priest, a priest was the mediator between the people and God. They were the mediator between people and God. And the priests would come every year and they would bring a sacrifice. The high priest would bring a sacrifice for the people's sins. Well, as priests, we don't have to do anything that, like that anymore because Jesus Christ, that, the, sorry, the priest sacrifice used to be a yearly thing, but Jesus Christ is a permanent sacrifice for our sins. So the sacrifice has been made, but the, the sacrifice of priests in the New Testament is intercession. It is intercession. And if you see in the Old Testament, the center of every priest's activity was the altar. And men, if you're going to be the head, you're going to lead your family into victory, you need to be the priest in your home. By the way, priests are set apart. It's a holy thing, so you've got to take holiness seriously. But above all, you need an altar. You need an altar in your home. If I ask you where your phone is or where your TV is, you know where it is. If I come to you and I say, where is your altar? Can you tell me? Because the altar is the most powerful thing you have in your home. You cannot, in this day and age, carry all the burdens of family, of finance, of wife, of this, of that. You cannot carry it all. But when you have an altar, you come to God and you say, he says, cast your cares upon me. Cast your burdens upon me because I care for you. When you have an altar in the morning, you can come with the weight of the world. Where am I going to pay that bill? And you can come into your family and you can release it to God. Knowing that as you sleep at night, he's going to get involved in the invisibles. And do what a million strategies cannot do for you. I want to tell you, an altar... If you're a priest of your home, you have an altar. You have a place where you come to cry out to God. I said before, the, 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 there is no require for us to sacrifice as priests. 
But the sacrifice of a priest, of a, of, of a, a new covenant priest, is intercession. And, and, and as priests in our home, we have to be people who, when we see, you know what an intercessor is? It's when he sees problems coming. He actually gets between where the problem is coming from and where the problem is meant to affect. And he gets between it. And through prayer, he intercedes until it is stopped. You see that with Abraham and Lot and Moses and the people of God. Um, let me just tell you something. I was studying for myself the life recently. I did a long study when I was not well. I just kept reading about Abraham. And, and, and Abraham, the key to his life. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know the key to their life? They all had altars. And you know what they are called? They are called the fathers of our faith. So if we're real spiritual fathers, we will understand the importance of the altar. And Abraham had an altar. When, as soon as he went down to Egypt and he knew he'd made a mistake, it says in Genesis chapter 3, he knew he'd blown it by getting out of this calling. He came back and he immediately went to Bethel where he had built an altar and called out to God. It, it was the center. It was where he kept coming back to. And fathers have a pattern when they make mistakes, they come to the altar. When they have a problem, they come to the altar. When they need something, they come to the altar. The altar is the center of the family home of a priestly, godly man. When I was studying Abraham, I also studied Lot. And they had largely the same experience of God. They saw God lead them from Ur, both Abraham and Lot. They saw God multiply and bless them out of nothing. They saw God win battles for them. And yet, at the end of Lot's life, well, the end of Abraham's life, we know he was blessed. Because we speak about the blessing of Abraham. And he was able to believe God and receive miraculously from God and see God's promises fulfilled in all of his life. And he is the father of our faith. But Lot ended up, had the same experiences of God, but Lot ended up worldly. He ended up living near Sodom, then he ended up living in Sodom. And the result of his worldliness was that he couldn't even convince his children about the things of God. When judgment was coming, he tried to get his sons-in-law to follow them out of Sodom and Gomorrah, of course, destruction. They laughed at him, so he had no influence with his family. His children ended up, daughters ended up committing incest with him. And he couldn't even get his wife out saved. You know the difference? Lot had no altar. That's it. For the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy from you. For the enemy to destroy your spiritual life, all he's got to do is take your prayer life. Nothing else. He just has to rob you of you. But a priest in his household has an altar and it is the center of his home. So we are 
This is really easy today. I have a church. I have a message for Acts chapter 2 called the five P's of the early church. This is called the four P's of a godly head, of a godly father. He is provider. He is protector. He is priest. But finally also, he is a prophet. He is a prophet to his house. The ministry of the prophet is greatly exaggerated in this day and age. It's more, t- today, the prophetic ministry, much of it is more like fortune-telling. You come for an individual word and you won't find any of it in the New Testament. But a prophet, God makes you a prophet. God makes you a prophet to nations. just simply means, firstly, you can hear from God. You can hear from God because you have an altar. And secondly... What is the ministry of a prophet? The ministry of a prophet is to authoritatively declare the Word of God. That's it. To authoritatively lay down and declare the Word of God. And men today need to be prophets in their own home. (coughs) I mean, I'm increasingly aware of how Noah, who, by the way, he had an altar in his home. And when he went to the altar and he prayed, it says that God smelled the aroma of his prayers. And then the next verse says, God blessed him and his family. Well, previously, God had cursed the whole earth. But when you have an altar, things that are cursed become blessed. That's a fact. But back to, to uh, being a prophet. Prophets hear from God. And in a, uh, 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 this is so important in this day and age because Hebrews 11.7 says that Noah, being warned by God of the coming destruction, prepared an ark. So he was able to hear from God and then he started to proclaim what God said to the people even though they didn't want to hear it, but, but he actually, in, heard, in hearing from God, he was able to make the preparations for his family to be saved from what was coming. And I believe we need, we're in an era now where many, many more, more natural disasters, many, many more shakings are coming. And as fathers, we need to be in a position where we can hear from God and be able to receive the instructions that will pr- pr- protect our people, our family, and save our people from what would destroy other people. I believe that is fully uh, required in this day and age, to be protected, to be connected to God, hearing from heaven, so that what is coming is not a surprise, but we're able to receive instructions from God how to keep our family safe, how to keep our family safe from all kinds of disasters, because the Bible does say, if we're hearing from God, he will keep us under the, and shelter us under the shadow of his wings, that he is a fortress, that we can run into him all the time and be safe. So a prophet is someone who hears from God, but a prophet is someone who declares what God is saying. Now listen, Deuteronomy 
11 says this in verse 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens of the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I'm commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and will dispossess great and mightier nations than yourself. So he's basically saying, and Moses wrote this, who was a prophet, that in order to be a prophet and declare God's word into your house, firstly, the word of God, it says, it must be conspicuous in your life. Therefore, you lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. So if you're a prophet of your family, the words of God, the voice of God and the scripture, the word of God will be foremost in your life. It'll be foremost in your life. And your desire, when you know it, you shall teach them to your children. That's what a prophet does. A prophet lives under the word, soaks in the word, is directed by the word, but his aim is to impart and relay the things of God that he has learned, that he's... He is actually is to relay and to teach that to his children and to speak God's word all the time into his family. And this isn't just preaching at them. And, it's, and, you, and if you're going to do this and be the prophet of your home that is constantly directing and speaking the word of God to your family, there's two things you've got to do. Word of God says, and a lot of men know this, that God disciplines his children. Yes. But it also says, do not frustrate your children. So you've got to be constantly, when they're doing things, you've got to be constantly speaking into our children that, no, that the word of God says, we don't do that. We don't go that. We go this way. But not always correcting and not always just speaking negatively to them. There's a time where we mustn't discourage. We must commend them for when they are trusting God, when they're believing God, when they're obeying God. There's got to be a, 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 a bringing the family under the word with the balance of correction and discipline and encouragement. And, and we, we, we need to, to, to do that. We need to know and be experiencing the word for ourselves. It's not just in, in quoting scripture as well. One of the things that we did as a family, I've had Three children of my own. We also had some foster children. So we've had a lot of experience with children, really. And one of the things I have, I have pastors whose, whose friends have, who's often, it, it, it's quite often in the ministry, whose children have not walked on with God. And one of the things I've noticed is that, is that there's a pathology. You know, we can, we can go home. And all the talk is about the world and the worldly things and the way the the world lives, but when we come to church, we kind of put on a, a Christian robe and we, we speak the things of God. We talk the things of God. But to be the, a prophet in your own home, you've got to be speaking God into your family all the time. It can't be a church thing. 
And one of the greatest ways to do it is to pray. Even pray about where you're going to go on holidays. Get your children to pray. When they have a problem, pray. And then when you, when you do this with your children, they'll actually discover God's interventions for themselves. One of our children had an uh, eye that turned out when they were born. And we know we prayed over that child, anointed that child, anointed that child until the eye came in. And now today the, the child has perfect 20-20 vision. But the child knows those stories. It knows the testimonies. And, and we always talk about and pray about every issue. And, and we, when we are praying about issue, of course, we are declaring and, 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 and preaching the Word of God into our families and into our homes. But that is, that is, that is the, the, the responsibility of a, of a head, is to make sure that your family is brought under the authority and the reality of the Word of God in their life. But it's actually more than that too. One of the greatest privileges of being in a father, uh, we have a heavenly father and we get to represent him. And... <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father blesses His children. One of the great privileges of being a father is that we, we get to bless our children. And the, if you're a prophet in your home, you, you're under the Word of God, you're bringing the Word of God into every situation. The Word of God is the plumb line to every decision. The Word of God is, is, is why you do everything. And the children know that and they're experiencing not only the Word, but they experience the power of God through prayer. But this is also a prophet, a prophet speaks and declares what God says over our families not what our experiences say, not what our circumstances say, not what our feelings say. And it's very, very important to know the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I had a child once, only one of my child had some behavioral issues. And the reason why God had to rebuke me many, many years ago is when this child did things, I would react and say, you are a naughty girl. And of course, that affected the behavior of the child. And God had to deal with me and say, do not speak over your child what you're experiencing, what you see. Speak over your child. Yes, correct them, but speak destiny over them. Because God says, if you declare the word of God, he will establish it. So a, a, a godly father is a prophet to his home. And he's not only ordering the family under the word of God, but he's actually speaking life into his children. He's speaking life into his family. He's speaking life over situations. And he's calling the destiny, the kingdom destiny in their children's out with the things that he declares. I believe everything in the kingdom happens. Nothing in the kingdom happens until it is declared. Someone has to declare it by faith before it happens because God is a God who speaks. He calls the world. He declares the world into existence. And the privilege of being in the Father is we get to speak God's word and God's destiny and what God says over our children and see it established. And you see this all the time in the scriptures. You go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. You see Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. 
and said, Arise, go to Pradam. May God Almighty, in verse 3, bless you and make you fruitful and multiply, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham's to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. That is not just religious talk. The, the patriarchs and the fathers understood the power in a father blessing a child. He realized that what he was speaking, they were not wishes. He was declaring by faith what God had said he was. And then he was passing it on to his child. And his child was going to become all the things that God said as well. And it's very, very important that we speak the word of God in faith over our children and not just what we feel. You're a naughty girl. You're a bad child. <laughs> yeah, I love you. You know why? If you don't do that, the great problem with children today is, and we can see this with all this gender stuff, it's identity confusion. And they need an identity. They need to know who they are. So they, if they don't have an identity, they may become the gang guy or the addict or whatever, just to create some sort of worth and purpose. But when fathers have actually spoken over their children, you are a child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the hands of God with a purpose. You are going to be the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I used to do this with all my children when I put them to bed at night, when they were young. It's very, very important that we understand that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when we speak what heaven is saying over our children, when we declare it in sync with the Holy Spirit, God establishes it. And he establishes our children, he establishes identity in our children, so they know who they are, and they become rooted and grounded in Christ. So to be head is a, it's a wonderful privilege. You know, when, when sometimes you, men will say like, well, I'm the head of my home. It's like, yeah. Do you know the responsibility that comes with that? It's, it's, it's all responsibility. And, and God never gives responsibility without giving authority. And he never gives authority without giving responsibility. But as men, we have been given the authority of God to stand as the covering over our family and to stand and say, I have the authority to provide for my family. I have the authority of God to protect my family. I have the authority to function as a priest and intercede for my, uh, my, my family. And I have the authority of God to declare his word and he will establish it. The, 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 I, I believe we're coming into an era where uh, the shaking that the world has experienced is far from over. It's far from over. I believe there's more shaking to come without being a pessimist. And I believe that God is actually saying we're in a season where we need to prepare and get everything in order. And you may be hearing this and say, well, um, 
It may just be provoking. Maybe you didn't have a good father. Well, that doesn't really matter because the heavenly father, if you haven't had an earthly father, if you call out for him, will be all that an earthly father you need to be. But if you are a, a, a father, I want you to know today, it is a great blessing. It is such a great privilege to be given the honor of fathering. It is it is because God Himself is a father. But but to take up our position, you know, we 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 can't be men who have been affected, because so many have by this powerful spirit of feminism, where we're being pushed back, where we've been convinced to take a backward seat. God is actually saying today, he, he wants men to rise up. I believe it's a season where God is raising up men to lead our families in love and to understand what headship really is. What headship really is. And the, the greatest way to do that is to look at Christ who provides for us. Not just material provision. He said, how will God who did not spare his son freely with him, freely give you all things? So he's a provider. Jesus is a protector. He's a lion of Judah that drives away the serpent. He's a priest. He's a great high priest, and he is a prophet. So maybe some of us haven't realized the great privilege and honor it is. And maybe we've been in a place where we say, boy, Pastor, this is a high standard. This is a high standard. I'll tell you what. The most important thing, I think, of everything I've said is beginning with the role of priest. If you, as a man, will actually make sure and make the change, if there needs to be a change, that the most important thing in my home, it's not going to be where my work shoes are, not going to be where the TV is, but most important thing in my home is having that altar. Is, is saying the altar is going to be the place where I take all my problems, where I go first thing in the morning, as, as a place where I go to meet with God. It's a place where I go to release all my burdens. It's the place where I go just to cry out when I'm confused. If, if we would just have that altar, I, I believe... The fathers in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had many flaws, but they became tremendous men of God. And I believe the key was they had an altar. They were men with an altar. So, all the men are quiet today. All the women are saying, yes, give it to them. Tell that man, kill him. So.
But that's true. Masculinity has been so eroded, and men have got to be taken a step back. But we actually have to, in this season, rise up in Christ-like manhood and know what it is to be the, uh, the covering, the provider, the priest and the prophet. I want to pray for families today, and then we want to go and have a nice lunch or whatever we do. If you don't have a father, I believe God's going to provide you a special blessing today because uh, he is your father. He doesn't want anyone to miss out. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for fathers. I thank you for the provision of fathers. And I thank you for what you're doing in this day and age. That, Father God, there is a, there is a, a, a reordering. Father God, there is, a, uh, there is a, a, a correction in your church. Father God, you're bringing your church back into order. But, Father God, you're also wanting to bring families back into order. And, Father God, I pray for all fathers today that there would be such a strengthening and such an enablement for what is to come. That, Father God, we would take our place, Father God, as the head, as the covering, Father God, as the ones that you look to, to speak to the family through, Father God. I pray that, Father God, men in this house, Lord, fathers in this house, would experience, Lord, the power of an altar. And, Father God, would begin to declare your promises and your words over all our children, that they become mighty, that they become, Lord, the evangelists and the prophets and the mighty men and women of God, Lord, of tomorrow, that, Father God, through our speaking and through our declaring your word over them, that their lives will be positioned and they, our children will know exactly who they are. Father God, you are our Father, and I thank you, Lord, we need not be confused. We need only look to you. We need only be connected to you. We need only your life flow through us, Lord. And our families, Lord. And our families will be so blessed, will be so ordered. Father God, will be so fruitful. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for this blessing of fatherhood. Let each and every one of us today, each and every one of us, Lord, take a step forward that this year I may be a more godly father than I was last year. Strengthen and help us today, Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand up and praise God that he is our ultimate father and he is a good father. Amen.